grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel, especially verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thus far the text. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, what a preacher today. No, not Kuhlman. Good grief, he's the worst. The preacher is John the Baptizer. He points the way, the only way, to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, you know, there's really no need to look to John. He's not much to look at anyway, you remember? He's disheveled and smelly. Instead, follow his slender, bony, dirt-under-the-fingernails-pointing finger and look to whom he points, to Jesus. Behold, see for yourself. John is not the star of the salvation show. Jesus is. John must decrease, Jesus must increase. John is the prophet, Jesus is the Lord. And so John testifies. And as if he's under oath, if you will, listen to his testimony because it contains the message of your salvation. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, <clears throat> one could say that Jesus, he's not much to look at either. In fact, we don't even know what Jesus looked like. We don't have any pictures. Not really even a description of Jesus, except that he looked like a normal, everyday Israelite. Now, Isaiah put it this way in his prophecy, no beauty that we should desire or even notice him. So Jesus, I suppose, was not a Kardashian celebrity lookalike. He was not like one of those beautiful A-list people walking on the red carpet at the CMAs. Did you watch that? Or that you fawn over on Live with Kelly and Ryan. Jesus was just an ordinary calluses-on-his-hands carpenter from Nazareth. And yet, and yet behold him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, when you hear the word lamb, that evokes what? Sacrifice because that's what lambs were good for. Their throats were slit. Their blood was poured all over the altar and sprinkled. Their bodies roasted, sometimes consumed entirely, sometimes shared in communion. You see, the lamb in the Old Testament was your substitute, your vicarious victim. You brought your lamb to the temple and uh, probably purchased from one of the shepherds who worked in Bethlehem's field. You laid your hands on the animal's head while confessing your sins to the priest. You looked the lamb in the eye and uh, the lamb looked back at you. Life for life. The soul that sins shall die. And the lamb died in your place. All foreshadowing the New Testament, capital L Lamb, Jesus. There were other pointers to Lamb Jesus. You remember there was Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of the promise who walked up the mountain of Moriah with his father, carrying the wood and the knife and the fire. And Isaac asked, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham responded, the Lord will provide. Abraham believed that even as he tied his boy to the altar and raised the knife to kill him, as God had commanded him, the Lord would provide. And then the voice, you remember the story, the voice, the voice of our Lord Jesus Christ called out to Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on that boy. Behold then a ram 
a lamb caught in the thicket by its horns, a substitute sacrifice, life for life. And then in the Old Testament, there was the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, when Israel's sins were atoned for by blood. There were two goats, you remember, one let loose in the wilderness bearing the sins of the people and the other sacrificed its blood poured out over the cover of the ark in the most holy place. Through the blood, God dealt with his people. Leviticus says, for the life of the creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And finally, in this rehearsal of the Old Testament, do you remember that every day, every morning, and every evening, a lamb was killed, a sacrifice for sins of Israel? Behold, the lamb. Uh, it sounds very crude, doesn't it? So primitive, so uncivilized by our 21st century reckoning, right? Can you imagine PETA? And other animal rights advocates, I mean, they are horrified at all of this. And they lobby Congress and the president 24-7, 365 to put an end to this nonsense. All this bloodshed, this cruelty to innocent animals, this un unwarranted, horrible death, the smoke and fire of the burnt offering is just horrifyingly crude and awful. And we too shudder at the thought as we sit comfortably here this morning in padded pews in an odorless, for the most part, church. How good it is, then, that we live in the New Testament and we don't have to deal with all this blood, right? Wrong. Very wrong. Behold Jesus, the Lamb of God. His blood is the cleansing of your sin. For without the shedding of blood, there is no, no forgiveness, Scripture teaches. So I ask you, whose blood will it be? Yours? Or the Lamb's? Our old damnic sinful selves relentlessly and brazenly try to atone for our own sins. That's the basis of all religions in the world, which says God must be appeased, a sacrifice has to be made, and so we offer up our guilt, we offer up our sorrow, hoping that God will see how bad we feel, and then maybe he'll be nice to, to us. We offer up our promises to do better in order to put God in a headlock to try and make him treat us better. And we'll sacrifice ourselves, our children, those around us, sometimes figuratively and sometimes quite literally. We offer up our marriages, our sobriety, our sanity. Some cut themselves until they bleed, even bleed to death. But that blood brings no peace. We offer up the unborn on the altar of abortion and infanticide and our own lives and suicide. But the stain of sin cannot be removed by those attempts to make things right with God. Oh, there must be blood. Yes, there must be blood because without blood there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9 teaches that. But whose blood? Not yours. But our Lord's real blood not a spiritual blood, not a virtual blood or a make-believe blood, but real physical blood. A real life for a real sinner. First John teaches the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all 
sin. Now that's the blood that you need. Your blood cannot atone for any sin. Your blood cannot pay for your life. Nor can the blood of any save one except who? The Lamb. God's Lamb. Jesus. The one who takes away the sin of the world. To whom that preacher John pointed. Brothers and sisters, this is the heart of the Christian religion and the Christian faith. It is the core of Christianity. In John's one simple sentence sermon, the mystery of the Christian faith is revealed to the world. Jesus is God's lamb, uniquely the only one that there is and the only one that we need. Lamb Jesus is the spotless and sinless sacrificial lamb. He is unblemished without fault, a perfect whole burnt offering. Lamb Jesus, you remember, was washed in the Jordan River in preparation for his Good Friday sacrifice. Jesus there became one with you in your sin, and he, the one who is without sin, became your sin, all the ways you sin against God and those around you. As Jesus bears all the sin in his Lamb of God body on the cross, Jesus was reckoned as the idolater, even though he feared, loved, and trusted in God his Father above all things. As Jesus bears the sin of the world in his body, he was counted as the blasphemer, even though he lived and spoke the name of God in complete purity. Jesus, as he bears the sin of the world in his body on the cross, was considered the Sabbath breaker, even though he kept the Sabbath perfectly, honoring God's word. As he bore the sin of the world in his body on the cross, Jesus was counted as the disobedient son, though he was obedient to his parents and rendered to Caesar that which was Caesar's. As he bore the sin of the world in his body on the cross, Jesus was accounted as the murderer, even though he never laid hands on another human being, except in blessing and healing. As Jesus was on the cross bearing our sin, he was regarded as the adulterer, even though he was chaste, and pure in thought, word, and deed. Yes, with the sin of the world in his body on the cross, Jesus was considered the thief, though he never took a penny from anybody. He became the liar, though he spoke the truth with every breath. He became the restless coveter, though he was content to live by every word that proceeded from the mouth of his Father. Brothers and sisters, on the cross, bearing all sin, Lamb Jesus became your sin. Bearing it like a... Lamb, bleeding and dying with it for you as your substitute. Only Lamb of God Jesus could do that. Now, brothers and sisters, there have been many talented people, great religious leaders, and others of great moral and ethical persuasions. But there is no man, there is no woman on the face of this earth in all of human history who is God's Lamb his perfect sinless son who takes away your sin by his death and then who makes that forgiveness yours in your baptism, the preaching of the gospel, the absolution, and the supper. Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus. He takes away the sin of the world. This is a marvelous thing. He's not just for us, but for the world not just for those who loved him and believed in him and desired to serve him, but he even died for those who don't. He is God's lamb for the world. 
The world doesn't know this, and it may not want to know, but it's true nonetheless. John pointed to Jesus, and his own followers went to Jesus. Andrew had to get his brother and tell him the news. We found the Messiah, or more accurately, the Messiah's found us. He brought his brother to Jesus. You see, you can't keep Jesus to yourself. Did you hear what I just said? You can't keep Jesus to yourself because he's God's lamb for the, uh, for the world. And God wants the world to know about it, and he wants you to tell the world about it. So you are like John, pointing and proclaiming, hey, look at Jesus. Look at him. He's the lamb who was offered up for the world. The whole burnt offering that covers the world's sins, all of its idolatries, adulteries, homicides, genocides, its terrorism, fanaticism, its inhumanity, and all of its suffering. Now finally, there are those in the world today who believe that they must, they must die to advance the kingdom of God, and they are going to take others along with them. There are those who believe that we are to fight a holy war for God, but here's the truth. God's son has already died to save the world. God himself has waged his own holy war against our sin, our death, the devil, and he has won by his dying on a cross and rising from the dead. And so brothers and sisters baptized into Jesus and trusting in him and all his promises to you, you are joined to Jesus in his death and life. Your baptism tells you for certain that Jesus is God's lamb, for you, who takes away your sin. What Jesus does for you, he does for the world. Point and proclaim it to the world then, brothers and sisters, as Andrew did for Simon, as Philip did for Nathaniel, as John did for his disciples. Why? You know why. Because the world desperately needs to hear it. The world, dare I say it, I will, the world is literally dying to hear it. The world cannot live without it. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.